question is, are you a believer or are you a disciple? <clears throat> big difference, right? Big difference. We're kind of getting that. There's a big difference between believing who Jesus is and all the good stuff about Jesus and being a disciple, right? Because a disciple requires you. Believing is just a thought, right? And so we want to be disciples. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So we're learning about what it means to be a disciple. At least we're talking about some things. And a disciple, we said a few weeks ago, puts, puts Jesus above everything else. Right? Above everything in life, Jesus is first. He is the priority, right? He is God. And, and, and his way goes above everything. And uh, David said that uh, as disciples, we are sheep and we have a shepherd who loves us and he guides us and he protects us and he, he teaches us, right? He lets us go through things to help us grow, become stronger. But a disciple falls under the, the lordship of the shepherd, right, as a sheep. And we also said that a disciple holds to the teachings of Jesus, Right? They're foremost, right? That's what we live by. We read the Word of God and we let the Word of God like penetrate our heart and our mind and we let the Word of God like come to life through us. We not just know the Word of God, it's not enough to know the Word of God. If it doesn't come to life in us, it's, we're falling short, right? We've, we've got to let the Word of God transform who we are and how we live and how we think and how we do what we do. Right? It's got to be the Word of God coming to life through us. Right, That's what we want to see happen in our own lives. Right? And so we come here you know, on, once a week to, uh, to worship and to just refocus our attention again right? so that we can say, God, you know, help me to stay on track. God, help me to keep my, my heart on you and not be sucked in by the world. Because all you know, between Sundays, we are being pulled the world is like, like trying to grab your attention, trying to get your allegiance, trying to, to get you to invest in it. And Jesus wants us to be totally sold out to him. So we're in Matthew chapter 22. Go there if you would. Matthew 22. It's the third year of his ministry. It's like the last week of, of his time on earth before he's going to go to the cross. In Matthew 22... And uh, we're going to get to a couple verses that kind of display what a disciple is here on our next thought. Um, but in, in these, I want to back up a little bit before we get to our verses. And uh, Jesus is teaching about a lot of different things, but he's going, to, uh, he's going to be challenged by the Sadducees about marriage because they don't believe in the resurrection. So this is kind of interesting. They don't believe in the resurrection, but they're going to question Jesus on a resurrection thought. So check this out. And then it's going to lead into our verses here, okay? So that same day, verse 23 in Matthew 22, the same day the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring to them. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left the wife to his brother. That's the inheritance. 
He left the wife to the brother. The same thing, the same thing happened to the second and the third, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, which they don't even believe in, whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her? Trick question, right, for Jerry? Jesus. They're trying to trick Jesus here. Verse 29, Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Amen to that, right? At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. That's a truth teaching about heaven, isn't it? Right there. That's a good uh, treasure. But, but about the resurrection of the dead, you have not read what God said to you. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Verse 13, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Wow, that's pretty good, right? I mean, I mean, Jesus, he's about to say something. We're going to talk about some, a topic here that, that, that Jesus confronts these guys, but you know he had to do it out of love. He, he did it because they were in error. I mean, these are the Sadducees. These are the guys who knew the scriptures. I mean, these guys are learned, studied men. They've been to all the colleges, right? They got their doctorate. They know the Old Testament from front to back, sideways, up and down, backwards and forwards, right? They know it all. And yet Jesus says, you are in error. So it's very possible to know it all and not do any of it, right? That's what happens when we know too much sometimes. But look at this, verse four, uh, 34, having, having, um, or hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. So another test for Jesus here. Remember, he's at the end of his ministry, he's about to go to the cross, and now he's being tested by the Sadducees, and now the Pharisees, and they asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? That's a good question, right? Because remember, uh, they have 631 commandments that they have, you know, added to the tent. Uh, Verse 37, Jesus replied, and here's our verses, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So that's it, Jesus says. That's, that's it. That's the greatest commandments to love. So when you're a disciple, here's our ta- thought for today. When you're a disciple, you love one another, right? That's what we do. That's what disciples of Jesus do. They love one another. Love is the primary and most essential call of God, even a work of God in our lives. It's more than a call, right? Because it's not just God saying, do this. It's, it's far deeper than a call. It's, it's more of an overflow of God in you, right? That's what love, loving one another, that's what loving God is all about. It's, it's God filling us so much that it's God loving others through us. It's a work of God in us, not just a call of God to us or for us. So love isn't just something we must do. Love is something that happens when you're in love with God, right? And when we sing these songs, when we come in here to worship, it's, it's another opportunity for us to just cry out to God, you know, just to cry out to God and get our heart right with him again. 
Because it's so easy to get separated and cut off and calloused. And we, we have opportunities throughout the week, and we should take advantage of these opportunities and, and in our own personal life to cry out to God and keep our heart soft with God. Because when it gets hard, it doesn't respond to God like it should. And so we, we must do this. It's, it's a call of God. Love the Lord your God. That's what he says. Loving God must come first. Have you ever, yeah, you've, you've tried to put together a swing set ride or some crazy thing. You know, if you have kids, you're always putting something together. And you're, if you're like most people, you always have parts left over, right? Right? And then you find out later, <laughs> personal experience, uh, then you find out later the, the, that part was pretty important. <laughs> right? When the thing starts going crooked or it starts falling apart or it squeaks in the wrong spot and then you got to take the whole thing apart because you forgot to put one little screw in at the beginning of the process. And that's true about life. You can do a lot of things in life, but if you don't have God first, you have left out the most important piece. Right? That's what loving the, that's what he, when they said, what's the greatest commandment? What's he said? Love the Lord your God. That's first. If you get that wrong, nothing else matters. You'll blow blow it. Everything else is going to get all whacked out. But if you love God first, when we love God first and foremost, then loving others becomes a natural response of that. It it becomes a flow of loving God. It's God changing us allowing us to love people, right? And it it won't be as easy as breathing or walking. We don't think about those things. They just happen naturally, right? But loving people will become more natural for us. See, God love is the greatest challenge in life. Wouldn't you agree to that? I mean, loving people the way that God loves has got to be the hardest challenge in the world. We can conquer a lot of things. We can climb mountains and go to the moon. But loving people day after day after day, you know, it's not easy. You know, you get cut off and you find out real quick how deep your love is, right? We were, Trish and I were at the, we pulled into the Zaxby's. And, and, and there's a guy, a guy rips in, you know, he was already in front of us, but he rips in front of this other car that was at the intercom ordering something. He was just about to order this guy. There was a kid, a teenager in the car driving. And this other guy in this truck pulls in front of him, gets out of his car, and he's cussing him out. You cut me off in that parking lot over there in the Walmart, you know, and you, you know, punk. And he's throwing out all these words I've never heard before in my life. And um, I'm, I'm trying to get my... I'm trying to get my camera going. You know, I'm going, this is going to be a YouTube moment. This is awesome. But there's, there went love right out the window. I mean, who knows, you know, where this guy's from or any of that. But, but that's how we are. We, our reaction, our, 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 when things happen, we just find out real quick how deep our love, you know, the flesh just rises up. The flesh in us almost resists God's love. You know, we just don't, you know, it's, it's, it's easy at times, but at other times we just want to resist it. We're so self-absorbed, right? Our love thinks about me first. It's a worldly, right, induced love. And so we battle this, right? This is the greatest challenge in life is to love the way God loves. 
So let me give you a few reasons why, um, why love is the, is the way when you're a disciple. When you're a disciple, love must be the way. There's a lot of other ways you can live your life, but when you're a disciple of Jesus, love is the way. And the first reason is this, because the word of God commands us to love. God tells us to love. He just simply tells us to love. From, from the Old Testament, the days of Moses, right? The two tablets that God gave to Moses. The, the, they're ten words, ten commands, but they're broken down into two categories. Love God, right? Have no other gods before me. Worship the Lord your God, right? Love God. And the other is, 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 is love people, right? And how to get along with people, right? You shouldn't, like, kill them. You shouldn't steal from them. You shouldn't hate them. You shouldn't lie to them. And you shouldn't covet their cool stuff. That's just how it is. It's two things, ten words broken down into love God and love people. Right from the beginning, that's, that's God's command to us is love. And in this passage, in Matthew 22, Jesus said, Love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? And it's not a suggestion. It's not like, like, you know, an afterthought or an overflow of other things that you do in your life. It's not like, by the way, while you're doing everything else, you know, you ought to try to love people. This is love God, love one another. And look what he says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And Luke adds, with all your strength or with all your energy. We're to love people. We're to kind of like whip ourselves into shape, into loving one another. This is first. This is the first. And this is the greatest commandment, right? Uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, uh, John writes and he says, let us not love with words or speech. Check this out. Words or speech, but with action and in truth. Everybody say action. 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 There you go. It was quick. Right on it. Uh, action and in truth. Not, let's not love with words or with speech. Because we do that. I love you. We say it all the time, right? We say it to, uh, I love you too. Yeah. Love you, man. Love you, brother. Um, we say it, but it's not as easy to do. John writes and he says, love must not be just with words and speech, but it must be with action and in truth. See, the Jews, you know, they had a series of rituals that they recite, right? And among those that they recite is this line, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And every day Jews say that, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Thou shalt love the Lord. You know, that's what they say day after day after day. They say it every day. The problem is they just failed to do it. It's not enough to say it. It's not enough to come in here and say, God, I love you, and then go out and not show that you love God, right? It's not enough to say, God, I love you, and then go out and not love one another. That's empty. In John chapter 13, um, verse 34, Jesus, Jesus just gets done washing their feet, and he says these words. He says, a new command I give you, right? Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, you must love one another. And that's a powerful statement, isn't it? Because we think about how Jesus loved, and it's intense. It's not just words. It's not just God saying, I love you. He comes to earth for you, to rescue you, to break every chain. He comes here for you, coming after you. 
The command of God is not forcing us to obey. It isn't love me. It isn't God forcing us to obey him by commanding us to love, but rather it's what's best for those who have been created in his image. It's what's naturally should come out of us anyway. But we've been messed up by sin and broken, and so Jesus comes to help us understand how as people on the planet we ought to live and what love should truly look like. Right? In human instruction, it's, it's God helping us understand in our mind as a human being what love should look like and what it must be. Right? Promoting unity, right? promoting harmony, and promoting uh, oneness among us. Right? That's what love is all about. It's, it's, G, it's God telling us, love one another because that's how we were created, to love. The second reason that that disciples love is this, is that Jesus sets the example of love, right? He sets an example of love. That's our motivation, right? We look at Jesus and we see him loving. And so out of that, like, he demonstrates what love is for us, right? As human beings, it's like Jesus saying, look, I'm a human. Here's how I love. Here's how human beings should love. Now, we don't do that well, and most of the world doesn't do it at all, but this is the example he demonstrates for us. It's an example of love. In 1 John, John uh, chapter 4, he's full, John is full of, of instructions about love. And he, in three verses, he says this. In verse 7, in 1 John chapter 4, he says, We must love one another because love comes from where? From God. In verse 16, he says, God is love. And in verse 19, he says, We love because he first loved us. Us. Very good, right? Because love is the, the thing that, that sets the example for us. Jesus' love is his way of saying, follow me as I love. Follow me as in a human form I love. You can do this too. John 15, verse 12 and 13, uh, the scripture says this, my command is this, Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Think about that. Love each other as I have loved you. And we think about the ultimate love of Jesus laying down his life for us, but Jesus loved us from the beginning of creation. The whole thing was made for us because God loves us. He created us in his image because he loves us. He, we wandered off and he came after us because he loves us. Everything we have in the Old Testament, in the prophets, in our forefathers is because God loves us. All the persevering and all the preserving of God's people is because he loves us. And Jesus coming to earth is because he loves us. And all of the teachings and the healings and the authority is because he loves us. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, there's no way we're going to pull that off, but that's the example that he gives to us is love from beginning to end. Greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for a friend, right? He says, my, look at the first two words in that statement, my command. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you feel like it or get around to it. It's this is how Human beings, especially those made in my image, especially those who have been bought with a price, should live. It's a call. It's, it's the greatest challenge in life to live like this. My command, as I have loved you, he says, the same way I've loved you. The greatest love is that one would lay down their life for a friend. And you know, people go off to war and they give their life in war. And as high of a calling that is to die in battle or to lay down your life for another as a country because you love your country, 
What's harder is day after day loving people, right? Because right? you can go off to war and not like anybody. You just like your country. But you live with people that are hard to love. You work with people that are hard to love. That is the greatest challenge, is to conquer the feelings that you have not to love and let God's love reign in you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for a friend or to love people day after day. His love for you is the greatest example that we will ever, ever need. And that moves us to love, right? God calls us to walk in the flow of his love. That's what he's urging us to do. He loves and he says, now walk with me in this love. Let this kind of love just flow through you and conquer you. There's a word in the New Testament, the word is lavished. Check out this word, lavished. And in that flow of God's love, we're empowered to love like Jesus, right? It just flows on us, and it should flow through us. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, right? Right? That's God's love unloaded on you. That's what that is. That's God's love like poured out on you. You know, you've been to a kid's park, you know, you've been to the kid's water park, and there's that huge bucket of water that just keeps filling up and filling up and filling up, and every so often it tips over, and everyone under it just gets drenched. You been there? You been there, Jason? Never. Okay. I didn't think so. Trust me on this. It's, it happens. It happens a lot. And that's the idea of lavish. Like, it's just like poured out just all over, like super abundant. Isn't that cool? That's cool. I mean, that's God's love. It's just lavished on us. It's this flow of God that's lavished on us. It's poured out on us. And it's to cover us and flow through us. In 1 John chapter 4, he writes, uh, John writes, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so, so part of the test of our faith, of our Christianity, is how are we loving people? How do we love one another? Steve talked about forgiveness in his meditation. And, and if we don't forgive, God's not going to forgive us, right? So how are we doing in love? How are we doing in forgiveness? How are we doing in kindness? How are we doing when people cut us off? How are we doing when people get in front of us in the grocery line? How are we doing when, you know, the, the, the uh, people call us on the phone, you know, and we hang up on them, right? Right? You know, the salespeople that we love so much. Selling us water purifiers or Kirby vacuum cleaners. Not so easy to love when you're tired and when you're wore out and then you got this coming at you. That's the test of your love, right? That's the test of our love. How, how, how well are we doing? He says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If you are born of God, then you love. If you're not loving, got to ask yourself, how deeply am I born of God? Whoever does not love does not know God. We can know all the right stuff but if we don't love like Jesus loved, right? Then we are just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Talking about it but not doing it, even right this minute. You know, I'm up here talking about love. I better go out and do it, right? All of us better go out and do it. 
right? Paul urges us to see, you know, the example of Jesus and strive for the same kind of love in Philippians chapter 2. If you want to go there, it'll be up on your screen. He says this in Philippians 2, a passage you, you know well. Therefore, he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, okay, is that not encouraging? You've been in, united with Christ. He died for your sins. You're washed. You're clean. Grace is lavished on you. Does that encourage you at all? Okay, good. Good to hear. Because if that didn't, there's no point going on, right? There's no point going any further. So he says, if any comfort from his love, got some comfort from God's love? Should, right? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how low it may get or how bad it may seem, comfort from his love is greater than anything else. If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, all these things we get from Jesus, then make my joy complete, he says, by being like-minded, having the same Love, being one in spirit and one in mind, do nothing, verse 3, look at it, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. See, that's human worldly love. Godly love is doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, we value others above ourselves. Not looking to what? To our own interests, but each to you, to the interests of others. See, that's real love, right? And that's hard to do. It's hard to do consistently. It's a great, great challenge of life. In your relationships, look what he says, as human beings who have lost their way in the world, in your relationship, this is how God's children should live with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ, Jesus, who be in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow, right? Wow. That's insane, isn't it? That's, that's love. That's love lived out. That's love in action and love in truth, not just words, not just speech. Jesus not only like meets our need for love, but he sets the perfect example of love for us to walk in and to follow, right? Like everything we read in the scriptures about Jesus, he lives out this love among us. Now, he's our example. Right? He's, our, he's the natural love and action that should be flowing through us. Right? We, we, can, we, we fell from it, but we're becoming restored in it. So how do we do this? Let me wrap this up with this. How do we, how do we love one another like Jesus did? That's the question. Because we can know that the scriptures teach us. Wahoo. We can know that Jesus sets us an example. Awesome. How do we do it? How do we do love for one another like Jesus did. Let me give you a couple uh, ways. I'm sure you have lots of uh, ideas on how to do this. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Paul says it like this. He says, check this out. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. So he gives us two good truths right there, okay? If we don't do a whole whole lot else, let's just think about these. Devotion. Two good truths about to put into action or one. One devotion, two honor. Devotion to each other. Okay, are you devoted to one another? And Jesus says, love one another. Are you devoted to each other? Because that's what it takes. In a family, that's what it takes, right? Devotion to each other. If you're not devoted to each other, the whole thing falls apart, right? Nothing stays together if you're not devoted. Even uh, in a sports team or whatever it is, it, it has to be people who are committed to the cause. They're devoted to each other. And to honor one another above yourself. You put others first. 
If you put self first, the whole thing falls apart. Love breaks down right away, right? Devotion and honor. So what does this look like? How does this look like in our living out love like Jesus did, being devoted to one another and honor one another? Well, it works out at work. It works out in the church. It happens at home. It happens everywhere we go, right? In the grocery store, wherever we are, we, 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 we allow these ideas, the truth of God, to flow through us. It has to do with commitment, and it has to do with valuing others. You value people, right? That's what we do. First Corinthians, Paul lays out uh, pretty clear on how to love, right? First Corinthians 13, right? Right? He talks uh, relational, he talks community, and he says love is, he te- teaches us what love is and what love is not, Right? says it's patient, it's kind, love never is jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not selfish, it's not quick-tempered, it keeps no records of wrong. Love does rejoice in the truth, it's loyal, it's supportive, it's hopeful, it's trusting. It never fails, right? That's what love does. He comes to the end of this thing and he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, Right? But the greatest of these is what? It's love. The greatest challenge of life. The greatest test of life. The greatest thing that you could ever put your hand to is loving like Jesus does. And just when you think you're loving one another, right? Like we get on a roll and we think, man, I'm doing pretty good. He calls us to a deeper love. Really deeper love. Because most of our love is easy love. Right? We, we, we live in easy love. Like, we love those who love us. It's easy. Right? Yeah. We lo- it's easy to love those who love you. But loving those who don't love you is what God calls us to. He calls us to love those who don't love you back. See, that's deeper. It's easy to love people who respond to us. It's hard to love those who don't. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45, uh, backing up in one verse, he says uh, in verse 43, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44, Jesus says, but I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So a disciple, he says, praise, praise. For those who persecute you, praise for others, including the haters in your life, people who don't treat you so well. See, that's what children of God do. That's what the verse says. The time of salvation, and here's why. This is the motivation. The time of salvation is still available for people. And God is wanting to use us as his people to love those who are unlovely to show the grace of God in their life. We're we're tools, we're we're children of God, and and the testimony of God is reaching out through us. So a true disciple loves one another. We're commanded to love. We have this great example of Jesus' love, right? We know that that God loves you, right? Amen to that? That's the encouragement we have, is that God loves you, and so we want to be like him, right? And he's given us the keys to love, right? We have, the question is, have we passed from death to life? Because that's a big question is, if you've passed from death to life, then you're going to love like Jesus. But if you haven't, you're not. The guy in the line at Zagsby's probably hadn't passed from death to life. Because he was using words that were straight out of the pit. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says this. 
He calls us deeper. This is tough. He says, our love for each other proves that we have gone from death to life. Did you hear that? Our love for one another proves that we have gone from death to life. But if you don't love each other, you are still under the power of death. See, that's the big question, right? If, if your love is becoming more natural and more godly, then you have passed from death to life because God is working in you. He's able to change your heart. You know, when we were singing this song, Break Every Chain. You know, Break Every Chain. You know, we, there, we, 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 we sing those words, but I think we just don't think there's any chains to be broken in us. I really think we do. I think we just think that's other people who have addictions or people who are, you know, in jail or people who killed somebody. Not I, not me. Look, at we're in church here. We don't have chains. And yet we do have chains. Chains keep holding us back from, like, going all in with God. Chains holding us back from, from just crying out to God and just letting God be God in our life. You know, chains that are holding us back that we don't even realize are there. So maybe the prayer shouldn't be, God, break the chains. Maybe the prayer should be, God, show me where the chains are so you can break them. Because there's chains in our lives that are holding us back from being all that God wants us to be and really just enjoying all that God has for us, really, more than anything. It's crazy. Paul says, you know, are we perfect yet? No, we're not perfect. We're not perfect in this love. Probably never will be until Christ comes. He said, in, Paul said in Corinthians 13, he said, we're not complete. We don't know everything. The perfect is coming in this world, in these bodies. We see God, but it's a muddied reflection of who he is in this flesh. But later we will see him face to face and then we will be made complete like him. But until then, until then, we should go and love and strive to love one another, to be devoted to each other, to honor each other, to pray for one another. It's the greatest challenge in life. This is what real disciples do. They love like Jesus loves. Father, we love you so much. We're grateful, God, that you love us and you've shown us your love in so many ways, more than we could ever count. And so, Father, this morning I pray that you would help us to to walk in your love, to really understand and to embrace the love you have for us, but not just dwell in your grace for us, but to allow your grace to dwell through us. God, open the gates that we would see you and that we would love like you love. God, help us break the chains in our life that keep us from seeing all that you have for us. Break the chains, God, that keep us from loving others the way you love us. God, we need you so much this morning. We pray that you would move in our hearts, cause us to be more like your son. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.